From the Tie Cats Audio Network, this is Tie Cats Today with Braden Neville. On today's show, Coach O reflects on the 2023 season and the adversity this team had to deal with throughout the year. Simone Lawrence discusses his plans for next year, and Coach Sal joins the show to discuss the Ticats' Eastern semifinal loss to the Alouettes. It's Monday, November 6, 2023, and you're listening to Ticats Today. Just like that, the Hamilton Tigercats season has come to an end in a disappointing loss to the Montreal Alouettes in Montreal. The Ticats falling 27-12 and were unable to manage a single touchdown in this game. I think we really saw how dominant this Alouettes defense can be and they have now moved on to that Eastern Final in Toronto this Saturday. Today the Ticats held their final media session of the year at Tim Hortons Field and it was really a day for reflection. Coach O spoke about the 2023 season and the adversity this team had to deal with throughout the year. He also touched on Bo Levi Mitchell and more. Well, there hasn't been a lot of time to reflect. I think the last uh, 24-40 hours, is, it's a mixture of it's, it's tough, got a lot of wave of emotions, fell short of the goal, lots of disappointment. Um, you kind of go through all the emotions. Uh, with that being said, all of a sudden you've got the exit team meeting, you're meeting with players, you're, everybody wants to kind of know their future. Um, there's just a lot of moving parts over so you don't have the exact 24 48 hours to reflect on the season uh, per se you're, you're really meeting with indiv- individuals coaches are meeting and so your day becomes uh, extremely full uh, when it comes to the 2023 season it's you know I could this could be a half hour half hour chat I mean obviously not good enough you know does that mean that I'm not uh, you know proud of the organization, the staff, um, the adversity that we overcame, uh, extremely, extremely proud. And I can go into fine fixtures and details about about the why, but just um, where we were injured, um, the players, the people that stepped up, the job the coaches did, the therapy staff, our high-performance team, our doctors. It's su- such a collective effort. And the way everybody rolled up their sleeves and responded when externally we were done. And it's a sports entertainment business. And, you know, I, would know, I do understand that, you know, fan is, is really short for fanatic. And so um, there were times the product wasn't, wasn't what it needed to be. But everybody behind the scenes rolled up their sleeves. And for that, I'm proud. And it showed at the end. Uh, we were able to find a way to put ourselves in a position to still achieve our goal, and um, we fell short. So um, I'm proud of everybody. What can you say about, you talked about adversity in this team, fighting adversity throughout the season, but what can you say about the team and in those times of adversity being able to step up, especially in that second half? Well, I mean, it's 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 hard to sum it up, but I mean, we spend time on this though, right? Like, we spend time and, and we know that it's that. So it's not just saying as a blanket statement, you're going to deal with adversity because it comes in different forms and at different positions and with different people and organizationally and things happen. So it's really about the adversity response and how are, how are we doing that? And we create no excuses and it's always going to start with the right mindset. So I, um, I can't say enough great things about that. And every team goes through theirs, but everything's not equal. Um, and so Again, just just super proud, and, and you know, I again it, going into specific individual examples would would take forever. 
that's true every year. There's always change. That's the one thing that uh, during the, the team meeting I always say is that this group will never be the same. It's There's always going to be change. And that, that doesn't matter when you win the Grey Cup. I've been part of those. It doesn't look the same. And it's for a myriad of reasons, you know. So, yeah, the the, the easy answer is, of course, there's going to be change. And that's that's just happens every year in football. Yeah, I love to keep Scott, but uh, we love to see people flourish and see what they can do, what's best for their family. Um, you know, Scott and I's relationship is phenomenal. Just extremely grateful that he was willing to come in here and help and be a part of it. Um, I'd, you know, I'd love to see Scott back, but at the same time, we don't hold people back. We uh, encourage people to go out and, and soar. So, um, yeah, I don't get, I don't speak on, you know, where he may be a candidate or where he may not. I'm just saying any opportunities that come up for our staff, we're always uh, extremely supportive of that. Uh, that doesn't mean that we wouldn't put together something to try to keep Scott aside, other people that we want, but at the same time, totally understand uh, having been in that situation before uh, when you're supported and when you're not. I don't have any comments on Bo's comments, right? Like, he, you know, but what I love about Bo is he speaks from the heart and from the sleeve and, you know, and he's going to wear everything on his sleeve. I don't, you know, Bo and I, Bo camped and sat in my office yesterday. We got an outstanding relationship. You know, we text message all the time. So there's, um, I think that if you asked him, it was taken, you know, there was a longer conversation there. I think it was taken into context that anybody wants to take it in. Um, Bo was in my office for 30 minutes yesterday and it was just like we're sitting there having a beer. So there's, there's no challenge there. Yeah, Bo's a tie cat right now. He's under contract. There's, uh, you know, the way things worked out this year, um, it wasn't ideal for anybody, including Bo. And, you know, from the injuries to coming back um, to another injury to the East final, that it wasn't it didn't turn out ideal or how any anything that we envisioned. It, it, it was uh, far from that. But, you know, we didn't sign Bo to a one year deal. Right. So Bo's a tie cat. And that's that's what it is right now. I don't oh, I don't know. I can't speak for how people see it on the outside. Uh, the record is the record. I, I don't that's uh, that's kind of a wildly embarrassing statistic. Um, I feel like there's only a couple of those games we weren't in. Um, I feel like though that's the truth. Those are the facts. The facts also is that it's not good enough and it's got to show up. Uh, in the win column uh, more often there, but it didn't happen. And, you know, you look at the way games swing and even in the East final, yeah, I understand what the final score was, but that's not how the game was. Um, you, at the end of the day, a loss is a loss, um, but not all wins are equal either, you know? So sometimes you win ugly and I'd rather, I'd rather win ugly than, than lose any kind of way. And that's the truth. But, you know, we were, one or two games away from a home playoff game, but we have to handle our business against the Eastern Division opponents. There's no gray area there. Um, I think Toronto's extremely talented team. I think there's a reason for their record. There might be a little bit more bigger gap there, to be honest with you. And that's not anything against Montreal. It's just my personal opinion. I think uh, they prove that and their record shows it. I think they, they have um, a lot of talent. I think they have confidence, but 
everything's a one game season now? Um, <clears throat> I think it's real simple. Um, it is a winning culture. So your definition of winning was going to be different than my definition of winning. So I think it is a winning culture. And I think it's better explained by the people that help build it. And culture is the word that everybody uses. But I truly believe that you create an environment and the result of it is your culture. So you create a, you create a place that people want to be. Yes, we are. I understand completely that I'm here to win championships. Let's start with that. But you can't focus on that. There's everything that goes beneath that. And there's something you have to stand for. There's a foundation that you have to build. What is it? And this isn't just the players. This is coaches. This is therapists. This is uh, equipment. This is strength and conditioning. This is the operations, the video. That's it. It's not coaches, players, football. Because I'm in front of the camera right now. But I'm in front of the camera because of the work that everybody else does behind the scenes, period. That's communications. That's people doing our social media. It's a collective effort, and that's winning to me. It's got to show up in championships, and it's far too long, period. Totally get that. But there's only one champion every year. And so I take pride in when, when I was entrusted with this organization that we're going to build this thing from the inside out and we're going to do a deep clean. And so that when you go through times like this, you're not working on changing the foundation. The foundation is always and continues to be solid. So we're going to continue to add value to value. Ultimately, this is a sports entertainment business. We're paid to win. Um, I think if you talk to the people that come to work every day when they pull in their parking spot, they genuinely want to be here. And that, to me, is winning. Fan is short for fanatic. They deserve a champion. And, but they can be assured that we're, we're doing what we can do. The proof is the results. Duly noted, right? But there is this thing is you don't wave a wand. Um, there is no magic potion. You don't rub a lotion on your hands and then you win. You, this is a game that's played by people and people aren't perfect. They're not, right? And so you know what you sign up for. And so to the fans, I say I appreciate their passion and wanting a championship and having an opinion. That's what a fanatic is. That's what you do. That's what they pay their earned money. I don't, I don't have a challenge for that. There's nobody that wants to win more for this city and for Bob Young and Scott Mitchell and Allen and all the managing partners and, and Jim and, and for the city of Hamilton than I do. That's, that's what we wake up and do. And, and that's the staff and everybody else. And, I, and that's, that's the messaging is I get it. They, they can, they're paid to have an opinion. It's not going to change. You know, it's not like we've been cutting corners and okay, now we're going to work hard. We're grinding. We're grinding. There's one champion. There's going to be one color of confetti that falls. That's sports. As long as they keep score, it's a zero sum game. There's a winner and a loser. And I think what happens in football is you don't get a chance to redeem yourself as quick. You say, what does that mean? 
in football, if you lose two games in a row, you're basically a loser for, well, I don't know, 18 days. So you've got your two weeks that you lost plus the lead up to the next game you play. If you lose three in a row, you might be a loser for 20 days. If you don't have a strong environment culture, you can't survive that stuff. If you take another sport, you're playing two, three games a week. So if you lose, you can make up for it in two days. That's what makes football so unique. And so uh, that's what I would say. I, I, I appreciate the fans and their passion. They deserve a champion. And the, um, what I also learned about fans is they always had, they had things to say when we were 15 and three and broke a record and won the most games and we were undefeated at home. They still had stuff to say, and that's what fans do. And so I don't have any challenge with that. That's when you stand up here, you sign up for that. So uh, we're grinding. The goal is to win championships, period. That was Coach O, and it will be interesting to see what direction him and the team take in the offseason and what they have in store for us for 2024. Simone Lawrence was also at Tim Hortons Field today for the final press conference for the Ticats. And let's face it, Simone isn't getting any younger. Each year that passes is one less year for him to win a Grey Cup. And today he spoke about his future with the team and having a big bounce-back season. For sure, you know, um, you know, you're not silly to think that you're going to play football the rest of your life. So, you know, you try to put yourself in the opportunity to win a great cup every season. And, you know, the way I look at it, you, if you don't do it that season, you try to put yourself in the opportunity to get a, another chance to play and compete for a great cup. And, you know, I think that uh, with my level of play this year, I put myself in another position to get an opportunity to compete again. Yeah, and speaking on that, despite the team not doing what you wanted them to do, you had an excellent year on your own, and, and to bounce back from last year and deal with injuries and then to go to this season and have the year you have, what can you say about the work you put in the offseason to be able to come back this year and, and put up the season like you did? Uh, it's just part of the game, you know, like injuries happen, but, you know, like what's been consistent since I've been playing football since was I was nine years old was I've been a dominant football player on every single level. Um, my military academy, I was a captain there and all, and got a bunch of scholarships. Minnesota, University of Minnesota, captain there, got a bunch of scholarships. Came up to Canada, captain, bunch of awards. You know, that's always going to be consistent. Nah, this probably be a way easier year than last year, you know. Coming off an injury, you never know what's going to happen, you know. With opportunity, you know, a lot of people act funny, you know, like act like things just disappear, but, you know, you're... Your tape is your currency in this league, and I put enough tape out there to get an opportunity. Now, I haven't thought about retirement unless, like, something drastic happens. Like, I'm going home next week to hang out with my parents, talk to them, see how they're doing, make sure they're okay and everything, you know. Um, my mom and dad is, live in a nice house now by themselves, so, like, you know, I think about them a lot, you know, over there in Philadelphia. So, you know, go just spend some time with my family and just get some love. Uh, it sucks, you know. Um, I was just in there with the equipment guys talking. Um, since we moved into this stadium, I've never cleaned out my locker. Um, and this is the first year I am cleaning out my locker. So, you know, I definitely got a flow of emotions going through that. And, you know, just talking to you guys, you know, it's just professional football. So, yeah. That was Simone Lawrence joining me now to break down the Ticats Eastern Division semifinal loss to the Alouettes. Is Coach Sal, Coach a tough game for the Cats at Percival Molson Stadium on Saturday. Oh, it was very difficult. You know, uh, they were in the ball game, uh, Braden, right through the third quarter. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until Hardy scored that late TD uh, that they actually got down two scores. You know, the, 
the the uh, way things were going, I, I really thought they were going to pull it out uh, coming down to the end. But you got to score touchdowns. Yeah. And you can't win games with field goals. Mm-hmm. And why do you think it was so tough for the Ticats to get touchdowns in this game? I mean, that Owls defense did look very good, but why do you think they had so much trouble getting in the end zone? Well, number one, uh, they went into the ball game in my way of thinking that uh, Noel Thorpe was going to be a blitzing front. Mm-hmm. He did not play that front. He played a lot of guys up on the line of scrimmage, and then he backed them off. They were actually playing a lot of what we call uh, a three-double cut, mm-hmm. where the two outside uh, corners are tight to the line of scrimmage, and they got help behind them. So that zone, I think, threw off uh, the Ticats early. Very difficult to throw outside the numbers when they're playing either a four umbrella or a three double cut, like I said. So, you know, the Cats had to make an adjustment. I didn't think they made uh, the right adjustment quick enough uh, at that point. Why do you think it was? It seemed like they were able to block a lot of Matt Schultz's throws. Why do you think that was? There were so many tip balls and, and that defense was able to get so many hands on that. Well, we always taught the offensive lineman that that if your pass rusher stops, attack him. Mm-hmm. Don't sit there and wait for him to start again because he's now in the passing lane. And, and so you, when when you see that uh, Uge, I think it was uh, the first time, the minute he stops, that offensive tackle has got to attack him, mm-hmm. hit him in the solar plexus and bring that hands down so that he can't tip that ball and, and create uh, problems for the quarterback. Yeah, it seemed like it was something we, we saw a lot over and over again. Do you think that maybe Bowley by Mitchell could have came in a little earlier or did it really not matter? I actually think Schultz was doing a, a decent job uh, of moving the ball. Now, mm-hmm. the fumble early on uh, hurt the cats in one drive the tip ball that you just referred to uh, cost him an interception uh, in the second quarter on another drive but he was actually moving the club down the field Mm -hmm. I didn't think uh, for a minute that that uh, anything was going wrong with the quarterback Uh, I do think the offensive coordinator could have called some more inside routes where you know your slot back comes in and gets in between the two linebackers or third linebacker in front of the halfback and, and catches the shorter passes. Um, that to me would have been uh, an adjustment that they could have made. Why do you think it was that Tim White only saw, I believe it was two uh, two passes? Well, I think the coverage that I'm describing uh, takes mm-hmm. away that outside receiver yeah. uh, where, you know, uh, he, he's got help. The, the uh, corner or halfback has got help deep. So, you know, White is a deep ball receiver uh, Mm -hmm. for the Cats. He's not the intermediate receiver. That guy's got to be Bayless. That's where you've got to go with your bigger man to the inside. And and so White, uh, what, two or three targets, uh, zero receptions in the game. And I thought Milt Stiegel really made a great point in in the pregame talk. He said for the Hamilton Tiger Cats to win, two guys have to have great games. Butler and White, mm-hmm. and they took White out of that ball game. And Butler, uh, in the first half, uh, had six carries. Yeah, now, he made good yardage, but six carries is not enough. In the second half, he only had seven carries. 
Mm-hmm. Had he had 20, 25 carries in the game, they would have had a lot more control. They actually had time of possession control in the first and second quarter. So they, they, they were not out of that ball game by any means. They just needed to punch one in the end zone. What do you think the likelihood is that we see both or both Matt Schultz and Bo Levi Mitchell return next season with Taylor Powell? Or do you think it's time for maybe or, or possibility of Matt Schultz starting somewhere? Because I, I we all know he can. You know, to me, you can't give up on Matt Schultz mm-hmm. or or Powell. Those two guys are the young guys. Uh, in, in the past, we've given up on people. Uh, we gave up on a VA, the quarterback for BC. Yeah. He was a receiver for us in 2018. <laughs> but didn't crazy. make it to the quarterback. We give up on him. We gave up on Calaris. Calaris is, is the other nominee for most outstanding player uh, two years running and, and uh, should have been, could have been again this year. Yeah. But we gave up on Dane Evans. Dane Evans went out to BC and, and did a good job of backing up there. So I don't think you can get rid of those two guys. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as Bo Levi and Mitchell goes, that's a heavy price tag for a guy that played uh, the few games that he played mm-hmm. and, and gave up the amount of uh, interceptions that he did. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. I want to talk about the Ticats defense in this game. They were able to do pretty well for the most part of the game. It feels like they got pretty tired there by the end. Do you think that has a lot to do with how little the offense was on the field in that second half? Yeah, that, that's exactly right. I thought the defense kept them in the ball game. Mm-hmm. You know, the eight points uh, came off of turnovers uh, in, in the early going in that game. Yeah. Uh, had the defense broken down, that would have been a lot more points. But the fact that the defense was able to hold forced field goal tries in a single uh, in that first part, I thought the defense was playing exceptionally well. They were shutting down the run. Now, uh, Cody Fajardo made him hurt a couple of times with his runs, but that's going to happen with a quarterback of his stature. Mm-hmm. And if you were to look at Scott Milanovic and what he was able to do with this offense in the time that he was here with the team, I, I would say he's done an excellent job. Do you think it's likely that he gets a head coaching job somewhere else in the CFL next year, or or do you think there's a good chance he comes back as that offensive coordinator? I think he'll interview for the Saskatchewan job. Yeah, I, I that's... Saskatchewan would be uh, remiss for not uh, interviewing him for that job. Uh, I'm not sure that uh, that he will get a job. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, uh, Hamilton has been very generous in the way they pay their people. And uh, other than becoming a head coach, uh, he's got a home right here in, in Hamilton if he wants it. So, yeah. you know, that's going to be up to him. Going into this offseason, Coach, where are some groups you would like to see maybe some changes in, in position-wise? Well, you got to start with the offensive line. I said this before. This offense was not built to become an elite CFL offense. Mm-hmm. And I base it on the fact that they wanted to play two American tackles. And, and there was a period of time in there where, where we were rotating people through the tackle spots, trying to find somebody that, that could stay on the field. There was a period of time we had four offensive tackles on a six-game injured list. <laughs> yeah. Now, you can't tell me that personnel can't go into the United States and find two good offensive tackles. Mm-hmm. I mean, BC did it. Uh, Winnipeg did it. Uh, I, you know, I just got uh, – Toronto did it. 
-hmm. So, you know, it goes to me uh, that if you're going to play the imports at the tackle spots, you got to get two guys that'll stay on the field and, and play for the entire 18 games. Yeah, that would be a big help, obviously, to that offense. I want to talk about the two games that are coming up this weekend. Unfortunately, the Ticats are out, but who do you like, Argos versus Owls? I, I mean, you look at what the Argos have been able to do. It's hard not to choose them, but this Alouettes team is making a case for itself. Yeah, the Alouette team is a team that that plays well when they can control the, the ball and, and move the ball successfully downfield. However, Toronto plays a lot of zone defense themselves. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be a lot more difficult. You know, the the adage is that if they're going to play zone, they're going to force the offense to go nickel and dime down the field. And after 10 or 12 plays, they're going to make a mistake. And that mistake is going to cost them, uh, you know, in the long run. I like Toronto. I, I think Toronto is playing excellent football. They've got the run game. They've got the quarterback. They've got the receivers. They have a great defense. They have a good pass rush. I, I can't go against them. You know, yeah. uh, even though the Alouettes uh, are going to get there, I don't think they're going to get through it. I, I have to agree with you, unfortunately, with that one, Coach. And then finally, what do you think about the Bombers-BC Lions matchup? That one's a little bit more exciting. I think that one's going to be a lot of points in that one, if you ask me. Well, again, I, I'll go back and say, you know, if the weather is favorable, mm -hmm. BC has a greater chance. Uh, I I like Winnipeg because win of Calaris and his uh, – group of receivers and Oliveira, the running back. Yeah. I love their defense. They're, they're an exciting defense. Now on the other side, BC's got some great receivers and if VA can play, if Vernon Adams can play the way he played against the Stampeders, uh, you know, uh, he's going to put some points up, Yeah, but it's not, it's not the same defense uh, that the Stampeders had. Uh, Winnipeg <laughs> no. is a much better defensive team in my opinion. And if the weather's bad, that goes against BC uh, in my mind. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think both games are going to be super exciting to watch coach. It's great to have you on the show. Unfortunately, we had to talk about the tie cats being eliminated, but we still have some more CFL football here as we head to this great cup in Hamilton. So coach Sal, thanks again for being on the show today. Well, you're more than welcome, Braden. And, and the fans that listen to this, make sure you come out to the great cup game, yes. no matter who's in it you know, support one or the other, but at the same time, make sure you take part in the festivities that are happening in Hamilton. Oh, 100%. It's going to be an exciting time. There's so much going on around this great cup festival. So even though the Thai cats aren't in it, it's going to be a great time in the city of Hamilton. And, and it, I can't wait to see it. And coach, uh, once again, thanks for being on the show. You're more than welcome, Braden. Talk to you again.